Hello, hello everyone. This is Kenny from the Big Sky State. I want to welcome you and thank you so much for joining me here on Cutting Fences. This is a podcast that advocates for the incredible people in the agricultural population who have suffered injuries, accidents, or have disabilities. Enjoy these amazing individuals, stories, experiences, equipment, life hacks, and more. This is a space molded to cultivate compassion, empathy, and support. So join my guests and I in eliminating barriers and uniting fields while we plant seeds of support to harvest humanity. Thank you so much for listening, and I invite you to be so inspired. I'm so excited to be joined by Lynn today, and she works for a very amazing organization and has a great story to tell. Um, So Lynn, if you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself to start, that'd be great. I'm Lynn Hendrickson, and I work for Farm Rescue as a development officer, and I cover the states of Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, and by the end of the year, I'll have Illinois, and that will be our eighth state that Farm Rescue is in. Uh, I reside here in Kansas where my family and I um, run a registered Angus cow-calf operation, and uh, we've raised our kids up through uh, the junior program, showing cattle and doing educational contests, and now they're uh, one's a college graduate as of a year, and the other one will be a senior, Uh, but we just enjoy being involved in agriculture and being able to do what we do to help farmers and ranchers in need. Amazing. It's so much fun to, even if it's through a screen, to join people from different areas of our, of states and all over the place, really. Um, But it's fun to hear just, it doesn't matter where you're from, really. People in agriculture are so prideful and proud to be a part of um, that population. So thank you for telling us about yourself. So you say you work for Farm Rescue. Can you tell us a little more about what Farm Rescue is? Sure. Farm Rescue is first off a nonprofit 5013C uh, entity. Uh, it is uh, headquartered up in Horace, Nebraska, which is just outside of Fargo. And we have another development officer that lives in Minnesota. So he covers Montana, the Dakotas, and Minnesota. And then I cover the other uh, four states. Uh, we have a team of about six individuals that do everything. And really what Farm Rescue, uh, kind of the fun story with it is our CEO, Bill Gross, is a UPS pilot. So he travels the Asia Pacific realm uh, delivering packages and, and stuff for UPS. Well, one day he, about 15 years ago, he was talking to his co-pilot and said, you know, I got this dream of when I retire, I want to get a get my tractor and a planter. And of course, he had grown up on a North Dakota farm and they still have it. And he said, I'm going to go around and just help people that need help with their planting or whatever they need. I think that'll be a cool thing. And his co-pilot looked at him and, you know, if we <laughs> think about this, I know Bill's age now, 15 years ago, he wasn't even 40 yet. And he's already thinking what he's going to do in retirement. So that's where I always throw that out there thinking I wasn't thinking what I was going to do when I retired at 38, 39 years old, but Bill was. (laughs) Anyway, his co-pilot said, hey, why are you going to wait until you retire? Why not? That's a noble cause now and people need help now. So that next spring, he went home and fired up the family tractor and planter and helped a couple families just in his own area. 
And that's what's kind of the birth of Farm Rescue. And now we are in almost eight states and we just helped. um, We're over 800 families. We had our 800th harvest case uh, or family case last fall. Um, And now helping with wildfires in Kansas and hauling hay and additional planning things that we're doing, cases we're doing right now, we're well over um, 800 cases to date. Wow. That's amazing. And I love that story. I read it on the website. Um, and I've actually heard about you guys through some of my clients who have gotten some support from you following um, an accident. And they spoke so highly of what you guys do. And I just think it's amazing to be able to get to the point to have um, the volunteers that you guys have too, to make it all possible. Cause that's not an easy task to do some of the work that you guys do. So I, uh, I very, very much appreciate it. So speaking of how things kind of start, how did you get involved with farm rescue? So my background um, is, a, is a little different. Um, I was not born and raised in agriculture but I wanted to go to school to learn how to be a ranger. And I did. I got my degree in animal science and then also a degree in ag communication. So everything kind of fit together. I I attended Michigan State University, uh, was on the livestock and meats and horse judging teams. And my first job landed me working in sales for uh, one of the largest packers uh, in the meat industry in Emporia, Kansas. And so that was my start into really ag. But along the way, I met this guy um, who was going to Kansas State University and <laughs> had been raised in agriculture. And uh, we both wanted to keep uh, raising cattle. And, and eventually, uh, my husband, Ron, and I got married. And now we have two kids in it. But along with that background, I've always worked in in the ag industry, sales, marketing, communications, um, production. Uh, My most recent stints were Kansas Department of Ag and uh, Ag Marketing and where I was the Ag Business Development Director. And with that, I was recruiting businesses to Kansas, Ag businesses or expanding Ag businesses and helping them find resources to do those things. So that was a lot of fun Um, when I was approached I was there for four years and then was approached to go work for USDA um, with the past administration as a political appointee. And I was the state director for rural development. And in that, that was everything ag. It was housing, infrastructure, uh, business, uh, production ag. I mean, it, it it was just an awesome opportunity. Unfortunately, that position ended when the new administration came in. So January 20th at noon, I was relieved of my duties. And, wow. um, but it was all, it was great. It was perfect timing because my husband was on the road a lot with his job and we had cows that were starting to calve. So somebody needed to be home with them. So that's what I did for between calving cows and taking care of everything at the ranch full time. Uh, this position at Farm Rescue came across um, my desk through a a colleague. And I thought this is a great mission and a great purpose. And to me, continued the mission I had been on in helping people in ag and rural communities. And so 
fortunately, I interviewed for it and they selected me. And so last July, I started with Farm Rescue and it's been nonstop ever since. (laughs) Wow. Well, for somebody not growing up in agriculture, you sure took a route to get a lot of knowledge within the field. Um, (laughs) Because, wow, you I'm sure you're very, very knowledgeable with the the opportunities that you've had so far. and I think it's important that we we talk more about how how it's possible to get into agriculture if you're not born into it because mm-hmm. producers are aging and the world needs agriculture. So we need new farmers and ranchers. Um, so I admire you um, chasing your dreams and going into going into agriculture even though you weren't born into it. What exactly made you want to be in agriculture when you were younger? Uh, well, um, it goes back even farther. Um, my ancestry is, um, I, both my, both sides of my family are Armenian and, um, you know, this kind of fits in with what's going on in the world today. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the 1900s when my, about 1917 is when my grandparents immigrated to America and they did that, uh, because, their country was trying to be overthrown and eventually was overthrown by another country. And the Armenian genocide occurred where over almost 2 million people were, were killed. Fortunately, my grandparents escaped, came to America for the American dream. And my, one of my grandfathers traveled across the country and he did odd jobs. And one of the things he used, one of the stories or a lot of the stories he used to tell us when we were younger was all about being a cowboy in Montana of all places. So so we, you know, I was always intrigued with that. And of course, growing up it, it, when I was little, you know, John Wayne movies were huge and my older sister and I were, just enamored with the cowboy way of life. And and my parents too were really good about, even though we lived in an urban setting, always hauled our kids. I have uh, three brothers and sisters and hauled us out to the country. And I mean, we went to all different kinds of places to see what the other side looked like and listened to market reports and, you know, in the car on the radio, my dad was just like, well, you never know when you might need to know this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> well, he was true. Well, growing up, I only thought the way you could work in with cattle and horses and all that stuff was to be a veterinarian. So my initial stint into college was to go to vet school. Um, didn't quite get there. <laughs> uh, the math and science really was detrimental to, oh. to me. <laughs> I, but yeah. I And I'm honest about that, uh, but I met a lot of great kids and students and, and my, who became lifelong friends that were from farms and ranches. And they, um, you know, they took me to their county fairs and they, they, we're taking all these classes that I kept thinking like, those are the classes I want to take. I want to learn about cattle. I want to learn about horses, sheep, whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, growing alfalfa. And they were like, well, you need to be in animal science. So I abandoned the vet track, vet school (laughs) track and jumped into animal science. And again, really had to run to keep up with everybody, but nothing's impossible if you want it bad enough. So, so again, I was on judging teams and, you know, I worked for different people on farms and um, in the summers and just 
fulfilled that dream of getting my degrees and being able to get work for a major company um, and, and really in a combination of things. So, um, so yeah, that's, I always say that's my deep, dark secret is my, my grandparents kind of laid the path, you know, the pathway for it with their stories, but it really became a, a, a way that that was the way of life I really was intrigued with and loved from, again, the interactions I had with people. Wow. What an amazing story. <laughs> I love, I love stuff like that because you don't know people's backgrounds and it's amazing because I am just now meeting you, but I can tell how resilient that your background <laughs> makes you. I mean, you talk about losing your job in a day and being, you know what? It was great. It was a blessing and we moved on and I'm where I need to be, which um, not everybody can do, not everybody can have that mindset, but I'm sure a lot of that comes from your ancestors and how strong they were and resilient. And, and those are the type of people we need in agriculture. So <laughs> we're yeah. very lucky to have you. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of good people along the way. I mean, my husband being the, the major one, uh, he, there was nothing that he didn't think I could, I could not do. It was like, well, go get on the tractor and move it over here. And I'd be like, I haven't driven that tractor before. And it doesn't matter. You'll figure it out. Go, just don't hit anything, you know? And I mean, you might, I have a, I have friends that say, well, how'd you ever learn to drive a truck and trailer? I said, well, literally a few hours in a pasture driving in circles and backing, backing it up and parallel parking along fence lines and going yeah. through gates. I mean, that's, Again, he's he's been a great teacher, and we've we've been married thirty years now, so something wow. must click. <laughs> Absolutely, something, yeah, very cool, yeah. Sometimes you just have to do the darn thing <laughs> to learn okay, it. That's ag, you know. It's like, yeah. oh man, I'm here all by myself. Now, what am I going to do? It's like, well, yeah. you just got to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what is your favorite part about working for Farm Rescue? Oh, it, it, that one's easy. It's it's being able to deliver help at, in the most timely manner uh, when families have a crisis in terms of an accident, an illness, or a natural disaster. I mean, we've done a lot of that, whether um, it's drought or flooding or you know yeah. fires. Unfortunately, those those all, tornadoes, everything happened. Um, accidents, illnesses, nobody ever plans for those. Uh, you know, that's, that's the key is knowing that when we show up, you just see the sigh of relief and the weight being lifted off their shoulders, even though a lot of times they drag their feet and ask them for help. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's, it's so amazing what you guys do because to have people to lean on in those situations is crucial to getting, getting through it. So thank you for what you do. Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we know that they have neighbors and family and friends that are willing to step in, but those folks are just as busy and, you know, especially planting harvest. So weather related that you, 
you know, if they're putting their business on hold to help somebody else, then, you know, that could be detrimental to their family as a neighbor or another extended family member. And that's what I tell a lot of people is Farm Rescue can bring their volunteers in and their equipment and we can knock it out. And if the neighbors want to help, that's great. We're not going to take that away from them. But in the meantime, everybody, it's a win-win-win situation, three ways that we can be in there and get it done and just say thanks for letting us be there and move on to the next. Yeah. Well, and, you know, talking about asking for help and how it's hard and they don't want to accept it. That's what like organizations like farm rescue and what I'm trying to do. I mean, that's what we want is to do that. So it's fulfilling for us to do that. And then it takes the pressure off of them to, to be able to help in that way. And I think something that a lot of, this population has a hard time doing is because they put so much blood, sweat and tears into what they do that it's hard to, you know, delegate that to somebody that you don't even know. So looking into your volunteer like process, how do people become a volunteer and how do you know that they, you don't know what they're doing to ensure your, the people you're helping that, you know, these are knowledgeable people in agriculture and you're in, you're in good hands. Right. Uh, that, that's a great question. And, <laughs> and a lot of people that that's one of the first thing they say, well, who are you going to send me? You know, yeah. somebody is just going to show up and, and you're like, you have no idea their background. Well, the great thing about this is, first of all, we take volunteers of every skill level. We have a database of over a thousand volunteers and um, over the course of the years, probably 300 to 350 of them are active every year with the cases that we take care of, um, just due to scheduling. Yeah. Um, somebody may say, yeah, I really want to volunteer, but I can only work during this week because I have a full-time job or, or whatever the case may be. Um, but the backgrounds are just so widespread. Uh, we have, like I said, Folks that want to do good, just be helpful. And we're like, okay, fine. If you can drive a vehicle, then you may be the parts runner or you may go get lunch. Yeah. But again, if that's what's needed in the area, that's we're going to put them to work. You know, they may run a fuel truck. But then we have people that are highly skilled, know how to run the most sophisticated technology on these uh, pieces of equipment. Um you know, they are retired service people from different dealerships, uh, equipment dealerships. Um, they're retired farmers and ranchers themselves. So it really runs a gamut. I mean, they and we do training sessions um, before each season. So we had like a planting school uh, up in North Dakota. And because up there we run large air seeders and you know, down in Kansas, we run a 12-row planter compared to, you know, yeah, yeah. the field sides uh, we're dealing with. But, you know, we people with CDLs, um, because that's always like a lot of um, companies, CDL carrying people are the hardest to find because we do have a fleet of semis that we transport equipment, uh, we haul hay. Uh, whatever we need to do. So we, we need those drivers as well. But yeah, they, you know, they're vetted. Uh, mm -hmm. They go through an application process and they, they 
tell us in the application how many years they have running certain equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, we have people that are like, nope, only run hay equipment. I don't do planting. I don't do combines. I don't run <laughs> the grain truck <laughs> uh, But put me on a tractor and baler and I'm, I'm your go-to person. So it's great. Um, whatever we need to, to get done. And so once they get through the application process, there's a short interview. Uh, background checks are a must. Um, you know, with the CDL, there's all the good paperwork that goes along with that from drug screening and, and, and again, making sure the license are up to date and driving records and, and all that great things that go on those. But we have people on our team that that's strictly what they are doing is, yeah. is working through the volunteer process, whether it's vetting them through the system or it's uh, coordinating and doing the schedules for where we need to send them. Wow. Awesome. Perfect. Well, uh, one thing that's really come out of my podcast is connecting people to to people. Um, I've had people reach out wanting to connect with guests and things like that. But if there was anyone um, that this podcast could reach today, who would you hope that this podcast would reach? I really want it to reach anybody who is struggling with a situation that they they don't know how they're going to get, get through it because those are the people we need more than anything. I mean, we, yes, we need to recruit volunteers and yes, I need, you know, one of the things I do is source donors and sponsors so that we can carry out the mission since we're a nonprofit. But really if, if we can have the dollars to in our bank account or in our funds, but if we don't get to spend it on the people that truly need it, then that's not going to benefit our donors and sponsors either. So really the people that need the help, they just pick up the phone, jump online, uh, just whatever they need to do to reach out to, to any of us on the farm rescue team. That's who I, I want to listen to this and know it's going to be okay. Great. Well, if anyone out there um, is wanting to connect or know someone who needs to, you can be found on your website, right? What is the website? It is farmrescue.org. Perfect. That's simple enough. Yeah, very simple. (laughs) I love it. Well, Lynn, I just want to thank you so much for getting on here and telling your story and telling Farm Rescue story. And thank you for what you do. All right. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I want to extend my greatest gratitude to my amazing sponsors. My prime sponsors include Joyce Fuel and Feeds, Helena Agri Enterprises, and Torgerson's. My choice sponsors include Stockman Bank, Nutrilix, Wilbur Ellis. My select sponsors include Montana Cattlemen's Association and Hoven Equipment Company. Thank you so much to all my sponsors for making this possible.